Happy Easter, Shoreline City 2020. It is brand new. We've never done it like this before, but it's gonna be a great day to everyone in Dallas, everyone in Guatemala. We love you so much. And hello to all of our Shoreline City friends and family. We have so many relatives that are watching. One day, hopefully we get to meet you when this is all over, but until then we send our love even through technology. Here we are today on Easter Sunday, and you're going to hear these two words a whole lot today all things. It comes right from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Would you mind, friends, standing to your feet right now? Because we're going to sing a song and I want you to turn up your phone, turn up your TV, turn up your computer, and let's sing with all of our hearts as we remember the goodness and the grace of God on this Resurrection Sunday. We love you, church.
beautiful song. Hey, family, you can take a seat right now. And those of you who are already seated, just stay exactly where you are. We're going to continue to jump into the Bible here. And I just started a little bit earlier with that Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And as I told you, we're going to be weaving all things throughout this entire, our entire time together. First and foremost, I want to talk about when all things aren't working out when they're not working out. Because right now we're, we're in a, a season, uh, not just as a church family, but uh, as a nation, as a world, where for a lot of us, things aren't working out the way we planned. But this is nothing new for our generation. This has happened time and time again. And it's actually a feeling that the early followers of Jesus were very, very familiar with. Look with me in, in Luke chapter 24. And I want to set the story up for you. Jesus has already risen from the dead. And there's a lot of confusion around what has taken place. And a couple of guys are, are walking toward a town called Emmaus. And they're headed that direction. And uh, a traveler jumps in on their conversation. Now that traveler is Jesus, the risen Savior. They don't know it. And I want you to take a look at their interaction. Luke chapter 24 Verse 17, he asked them, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. So they're walking and they, they stop. And they're, they're sad. And one of them named, what a great name this is. If this is your name, then I just want you to know we love you and your parents love you as well. What a great name that is. Cle Cleopas. Cleopas, what a beautiful name, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here, happened there in these days? Are you, are you living under a rock? I mean, are, are you watching the news at all? I mean, are you looking at your Instagram feed? Have you seen Facebook? Are, are, are you watching TV? Don't you know what has taken place? You have no idea. You're asking us what took place in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, verse 19, what things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Everybody put the trust in him. Everybody was, 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 was believing that Jesus was going to be this, this savior, this Messiah. And, and they didn't have in their brains that the Messiah would die on this cross. All the crowds that were following him, all the individuals that had given their hearts to him, all the people that had aligned their hearts and lives with Christ. And now, now their, their hopes are dashed, thrown to the side. I, I want you to feel the weight. I want you to feel the weight of hoping for something and it not happening. I want you to feel the weight of, of hoping that this would be the one you were going to marry, but then it, it doesn't work out. Hoping that we'd be off this shelter in place of quarantine, but it doesn't happen. 
hoping that, that your loved one would get out of the hospital, but it doesn't happen. Hoping that your finances would stay intact, but, but it doesn't happen. Hoping your marriage would work out or your parents would stay together or your school would, would open back up, but it doesn't happen. I want you to feel the disappointment because this is what a lot of us are walking through. This is what a lot of us are feeling. And some of you, uh, you might be brand new to this whole church thing. Maybe the first time you ever even watched church online. And, and here you are today and you're thinking all things aren't working out. All things seem to be going to hell in a handbasket. If God's so big and powerful, why in the world is all this taking place? And, and here are some of the early disciples. This stuff is put in the Bible. God is not trying to cover up disappointment. He's trying to let us know my followers have experienced this for generations. They look at Jesus. They stand still. Their faces downcast and are like, dude, are you serious? Are you asking us what's taking place in the city? The one we were hoping was going to put it all back together died. It's over, man. It's done. It's like a, it's like a movie, except it's reality. And some of us might right now might be feeling like we're living in a movie, but it's reality. I, I, I like first and foremost, that, that Jesus actually shows up, but they, can't rec they don't recognize that it's Jesus. Can I just submit to you that Jesus is actually closer to you than you even realize right now? Can I just submit to you that even when you and I are walking and feeling hopeless and feeling like, it, like everything has died, that Jesus is right there by our side and, and he is the, actually the one interacting and talking and pulling us along. These guys are talking to the savior that they're disappointed is dead, but he's not actually dead. He's talking to them. They just can't recognize him. I'm praying that our eyes get opened. But nonetheless, the disappointment is real. I feel like they've been fooled a little bit. Maybe some of you feel like you've been fooled some. Maybe you've been in your walk with God for a while. And maybe even some of your friends or family members are like, man, you do this God thing? Do you even trust him now? Or, or Don't you feel like he kind of pulled a fast one on you? Uh, I've, I've got uh, three great kids. My wife and I have got these three great kids. And uh, my oldest son, I did something to him years ago that was a little practical joke. And he ended up doing it to his brother, um, which was funny for me and funny for him and maybe not funny for his brother. Uh, but when I did it to my oldest son, I said, hey, Parker, I'm going to give you $100 if you let me crack two eggs on your head. You get 100 bucks for two eggs on your head. He's like, Dad, are you serious? I'm like, yes, I'm serious. I, I give you my word. You let me crack two eggs on your head, I'm going to give you $100. And Parker, being a shrewd businessman, is thinking, hey, I can take that egg on my head. I can wash my hair. I've got a quick $100. He will then tithe, save, then, then spend. I mean, he, he's doing the numbers in his head. He's like, this is a no-brainer. So we walk over to the sink. I get uh, the eggs out of the refrigerator, he's standing, he's like, dad, are you telling the truth? Dad, are you telling the truth? I'm like, yes, I, I'm, if you let me crack two eggs on your head, I'm going to give you $100. Deal. Take the egg, I crack the first one on his head. And then he's standing there waiting for the second one. And I never cracked the second one. 
because I gave my word that I was gonna do two eggs, not one egg. So you get no money. It was not $50 per egg. It was $100 for two eggs. He's so upset with me. He's chasing me around. He maybe even thrown an egg at me. I don't know. He ended up doing that same thing to his brother not too long ago, and his brother did hunt him down. And Grayson is incredibly strong, so he can basically lift Parker and me over his head all by himself. I say all that to say it's a funny little story, quirky, but it's not what Parker expected. He's like, you said this, and I had a picture in my head. Then this happened, and that didn't match my picture. For those of you who are new followers of Jesus, can I just help mature your faith a little bit right now and let you know that when you're a follower of Jesus, it does not mean everything works out exactly how we think it's going to work out. And if you're a follower of Jesus because you and I think we can control God, then that's not the way this thing works. Yes, he's our loving father. He's on our side. But we are not God in this equation. He is. And there are times that we are confused. There are times that we don't see things clearly. There are times that we are walking on a path and Jesus is right there with us and we don't recognize him for who he actually is. And there are times someone or something that we think is going to work out one way ends up looking a whole nother way. But in the midst of all of that, we could still trust him. In the midst of all of that, he's still good. When all things aren't working out, he is still working. And my friends, we can still trust him. So even in the midst of this COVID season, we asked some of our worship team to get together. And they got together, not together, but in their separate houses. And sang this song individually and we put it together corporately. It's an old hymn, it's a moving hymn, written by a woman who lost her husband tragically when he was trying to save a little boy from drowning. And she lost that husband, but years later penned these words, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Would you sit there for a moment? And would you allow the grace of God to wash over your head and your heart as you and I are brought closer to him.
so thankful that the team put that together. Uh, I don't know about you, but it just was moving to see all these different voices and all these different people from all these different backgrounds coming together, singing one song. Man, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Why is it, to, why is it so sweet to trust in him? This is point number two, because God can do all things but fail. All things but fail. I know I've got a few folks that are watching this right now and just said, amen, preach it. I, just so you know, I miss hearing that on Sundays. But here we are in, in this moment. And I want to remind all of us that God can do all things but fail. In Mark chapter nine, there's a powerful story of a father who's struggling with a son who's been sick. The son has been sick for quite some time and this dad in his desperation, brings his son to Jesus' disciples. He brings his son to the disciples and the disciples aren't able to help this man or help his son. And this man is upset and frustrated and dejected and, and downcast. And Jesus shows up on the scene. He's like, what's going on here? And the man says in desperation, I brought my sick son to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. And and Jesus ends up saying, hey, talk to me. T tell me what's going on here. And the man, man paints a clear picture of all that has gone on. And then this father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, help me out. I'm desperate here. <laughs> I I've been going from doctor to doctor to doctor. I some of us have been going from relationship to relationship to relationship. Some of us have been going from, person, from church to church to church. Some of us have been searching all around, trying to find an answer to what's going on deep within our souls. And we got to understand that that answer is found in Jesus Christ himself. And he's like, if you can do anything, help me out here. And Jesus says one of the most powerful things that maybe he's ever said, well, I guess everything he said was powerful. But this, these words, they move my heart. And I pray they move yours. Because Jesus said in verse 23 of Mark chapter 9, if you can, he's talking to the Father now, but he's also talking to you. He's talking to those that are places of desperation, those that are places of confusion, those that are wondering which way is up. He's even talking to those that have been mature and, are, and maybe are even doing well right now and feeling strong. But he's saying, hey, hey, if you're looking at me and you're, and you're relying on yourself, you don't need to rely on yourself. If you can, if you can, let me just tell you, Jesus says, all things are possible. Come on. All things are possible for the one who believes. Not some things, all things. Why? It's not because your belief is so powerful. 
It's because the object of your belief is so powerful. That is to say, I don't want you and I focusing on the size of our faith per se. I want us focusing on the person of our faith. And that is we don't have faith in faith. We don't have faith in hope. We have faith in Jesus. Yes, that's right, faith in Jesus. And Jesus says, if you can, let me just tell you, I was there at the very beginning. I'm actually the one that's holding everything together right now. I'm actually the one that was helping form and put the world in its place. I'm actually the one that is holding your body together right now. I'm actually the one that was fashioning and forming you in your mother's womb. I was there from the very beginning. If you can, I can do everything but fail. Everything but fail. So that includes the the marriage that has fallen apart. I need you to know that God can do all things but fail. Two people want to surrender their hearts and their lives to Jesus and say, God, I trust you. God, I'm going to get past my pride. God, I'm going to get past my insecurity. Right now, it looks like my marriage is in a tomb. It looks like it's over. It looks like it's done. If two people would be willing to humble themselves and say, God, I trust you. I am telling you, a miracle, a miracle can happen in that place. If you can, all things are possible. All things are possible for the one who believes because our God can do anything but fail. I I need you, man, I, I need you to see how many different people came at Jesus. I mean, it was person after person. They, they, they were trying to kill Jesus and they didn't just try They did it. Okay, the religious leaders killed Jesus. The government killed Jesus. The crowd killed Jesus. Twitter (laughs) killed Jesus. What they tried to do is they canceled. They canceled Jesus. They're like, we don't like what this guy is talking about. We don't like how this guy is living. We don't like what he's wearing. We don't like uh, who he's hanging out with. We don't like how he's healing people. We don't like how he's touching folks. We're going to cancel him. We're going to kill Jesus. All these people came at Jesus. Religion, Religion came at Jesus. Government came at Jesus. Hey, his friends came at him. His friends sold him into the, the, this whole idea of dying and, and giving his life and, and him, him being put on trial, a mock of a trial. His friends weren't even running with him. Most of them weren't running with him and by his side when he's at his deepest, darkest moment. You got religion and government and friends and the crowd, all these folks saying, Jesus, you're going to die. We're going to end your life. You're canceled. You're done. And it looks like it's over. That was Good Friday when they crucified our Savior. Friday, he's in the grave. Saturday's in the grave. Come on, I wish I had some drums and an organ behind me right now. Friday, he's in the grave. (laughs) Saturday, he's in the grave. 
Friday, he's in the grave. Saturday, he's in the grave. January, you're in the grave. February, in the grave. Your finances are in the grave. Your marriage is in the grave. Your thought life is, thought life is in the grave. Your grades are in the grave. Come on, your family looks like it's in the grave. Friday, Saturday, it looks like it's over, but the problem is God can do all things but fail. So at some point in time, resurrection is coming for the child of God. I can't always tell you exactly when. For Jesus, it was three days. For Lazarus, it was four days. And for others, it's taken weeks, months, or even years. But what I do know, God can do all things but fail. So for you and I, when they're trying to cancel out Jesus, the problem is you can't cancel what God has called. If he's called you, you can't be canceled. Yeah, you might be able to be killed. You might be able to be taken out and it'll look like what may look like things are dead for a while. But I'm just telling you, you can't cancel what God has called because God can do all things but fail. Every time a word leaves his mouth, it will not return to him void. So what he has said about you and what he has said about your family and what he has said about your future and what he has said about your business and what he has said about your destiny and what he has said about your purpose. Come on, church. What he has declared over your life may be promises he gave to generations before you. God has heard the prayers of the early church fathers and the early church mothers. He's heard the prayers of grandparents and great-grandparents. He's heard the prayers of aunts and uncles and friends. And many of those prayers are chasing you down right now. And you are here watching this with us today because the God of heaven can do all things but fail. As a matter of fact, I want to remind you, we as a church family want to remind you of the blessing that God has on your life. I want to remind you that God's posture towards you is love and grace and kindness. Does that mean he's soft on sin? Of course he's not soft on sin. You can look at the cross and see that God is not soft on sin. That's why Jesus died such a brutal death. But he died so that you and I could live. He took our sin and put it upon his son. And now you and I are living in the blessing that has come from this powerful cross and the life of our Savior, Jesus. Friends, I, I want you to sit there again. And I want you to get ready to receive this blessing. We're going to sing this blessing over your life. It comes straight from scripture, straight from the Bible. These words are what God is saying over your life and my life. Married people, single people, old people, young people, people that are able bodies and people that might have a disability. He is speaking this over every single one of us. The Lord bless you and keep you. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear this.
Come on, may his favor be upon you. That's what we're praying over your life. That's God's posture towards you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He's not turned his back on you. As a matter of fact, he is that loving father that has been looking out for you and I for years, for weeks, for days. Welcome home, family. Welcome home. Hey, we, we've gone through a few all things here. All things aren't working out and, and all things but fail. Can, can, I end, can I end with this here? All things including empty, all things, including empty. John chapter 20, I want you to go here with me. And the women were the ones that showed up first to the empty tomb. So shout out to all the ladies and your strength and your courage. And they showed up first, they see the tomb is empty and they're like, wait, what is going on here? They run back and tell the disciples, now watch some of the unimportant details that are in this. This is why uh, you can trust the scriptures because the Bible has a lot of details that really don't matter, but they're in there anyway. Watch this. So Peter and the other disciples started running for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Why does that even matter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm faster than Peter. We were racing to the tomb and I beat him. Anyway, let's keep on going here. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Now you're getting the feeling that his breath has been taken away. What's going on here? The women thought that, that someone had taken the body of Jesus. And this is what they announce to the disciples and they get there and they're like, wait, what, what's going on here? There was a stone in front of this. He was dead. He couldn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate, separate from, the, from the linen. Finally, the, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand. Watch this in verse number nine. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Everything including empty. They show up and there's supposed to be a body in there. There's supposed to be a stone in front of the tomb and there's supposed to be a body on the inside, Jesus, where they laid him. Now, even though there was lots of disappointment and even though this did not work out the way they thought it was going to work out, they still loved Jesus, still had a lot of care for him. This is someone that they had walked with and and eaten with and seen miracles performed by for years. This is someone that they have laughed with and someone that they had cried with. This is someone that had mentored them and poured into them. This is someone that had taken them from their mundane everyday lives and, and put them on the adventure of a lifetime. He's supposed to be there and he's not there. The tomb is empty. There's a lot of empty things in our world right now. Look at me. 
I'm standing at our White Rock campus in an empty church building. There's empty schools. My kids haven't been able to go back to school yet. And I know a lot of your kids might be itching. There's universities that have been shut down, hoping that they could get back online. There's beaches that have been shut down. There's thing after thing after thing. I go through schools and, and, and schools and, 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 and churches and, and streets. I mean, so many things are empty. And we can look at empty and, and feel hopeless, feel confused. The disciples were feeling this. But what God did, man, what God did on Easter Sunday, what he did on that resurrection day is he redefined empty. He flipped empty. What God did is he said, I'm going to take empty. And whenever, whenever someone sees empty, I don't want them just to think loss. I want them to think resurrection. I want to take empty and I want, em I want to turn empty on its head. I want to take something that can look bleak and, and dark and, and look like no life could ever come from it. And I actually want to flip that on its head. And I want to say empty now declares emphatically that God is above even death, that God is above even loss, that God is above even confusion, that God is above even hopelessness. So if you are in empty and you're looking at empty, maybe you're looking at an empty bank account. Maybe you're looking at an empty refrigerator chute. Maybe you're looking at an empty toilet paper roll. Maybe you're looking at a bunch of different things that are empty. I want to flip empty and remind you that the good news, the gospel is now that the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus is a redefinition of empty. Anything that is now empty is a reminder that Jesus defeats even the darkest, hardest thing that you and I might face. And this is why we can have a relationship. We can have a relationship, a life-giving love-filled relationship with the God of the universe. Would you be willing to let God redefine your empty? Would you, be, would you be willing to allow the grace of God to enter into your, your empty? This, my friends, this is bigger than church buildings. This is bigger than economy. This is bigger than even COVID. This has to do with the God of heaven and him, and him impacting your heart for eternity. If you're watching right now, if you're listening, and you know there's some empty on the inside of you, God wants to redefine that empty and fill it with resurrection. Because that's what was left over in that tomb. Resurrection. If you're under the sound of my voice right now and, and you know God is not first in your life, you know he's not number one, you know, I don't have to convince you, I don't have to twist your arm, you know, you might even believe in God, but he's not first. 
You can look at the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your, your energy. You, you, you know, he, he's not first. Yeah, yeah, you might tip your hat to him, give him a little nod every now and then. Yeah, maybe even go to church every now and then or, or catch online or maybe even dust your Bible off every now and then. But, but I'm not talking about, about us doing some things that kind of appease our conscience. I'm talking, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? I'm talking to teenagers now. I'm talking to young men and old men. I'm talking to young women and old women. I'm talking to single and married people. Where are you right now in your relationship with God? And if your heart and your life is not surrendered to him, this is the moment where his arms are open wide. And he's saying, son, daughter, it's time to come on home. I've been waiting for you. This is where you and I receive the forgiveness of our sin. This is where our empty is filled with resurrection. This is where we go from dead to alive. This is where we go from blind to seeing. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Everybody who's watching, all of us together right now, if you wouldn't mind, bow your head for just a moment. And I ask you to bow your head just so that you can focus. You don't have to close your eyes. You can if you want to. But I just want you to bow your head. Just a way of you just calming, stilling your soul for a moment. And I want to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to knock on your heart. I'm going to give you a chance to say yes. Yes to a new way of living. Yes to this resurrection. All my friends, do me a favor, put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. I'm going to ask all of you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.